Hello, everybody, and welcome to NCEA Podcast. I'm Kevin Baxter, Chief Innovation Officer for uh, the National Catholic Educational Association. And uh, we have Kathy Mears, our Interim President CEO, on this call, along with our very, very, very special guest, Jonathan Doyle, uh, who needs a little introduction to uh, those of us in Catholic schools here in the United States. He's um, spoken at NCA convention in the past, and he was due to be our keynote speaker uh, this coming week in Baltimore. And of course, as everyone knows, we've had to cancel that convention. So uh, we do have um, Jonathan going to participate in NCA Virtual this week, and we want to have a chance to to have some conversation with him on this podcast. So uh, first, welcome, Jonathan. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Great to be here. Hi, Kathy. Uh, really excited to be talking to everybody under these uh, rather challenging circumstances. Well, we're glad that you're with us. So thank you for joining us, Jonathan. And thank you, Kevin, for hosting. So Jonathan, uh, just to start off a little bit, uh, how things are going in Australia. We Obviously, we've had a lot of uh, turmoil here and the cancellation of convention was a, was a big event for NCEA, something we're very sad to see happen. We're sad to not have you, uh, you'd probably already be here, but on a plane here. And um, so how are things going in Australia with regard to coronavirus and, and you and your family? Well, look, we're one of the sort of historical names for Australia is is the lucky country. And whether it's luck or being really blessed, we're we're in a pretty good place. Uh, I think we're only at about 50 fatalities at this point. The government moved pretty fast in terms of lockdown stuff. So where the isolation stuff isn't extreme at this point. Uh, I mean, all our churches are closed and everything, which has been a big issue. But uh, people have been pretty good in general. And we've definitely flattened the curve. Uh, so we're now in pretty uncharted territories. I, I think the big issues are going to be an enormous uh, impact on the economy here and business and families. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, on a personal level, I, our school year starts in January and we got off to a wonderful start. I, my, my son had just started at a fantastic Morris Brothers school and uh, my daughter had just started at the local Catholic girls school and things were in a beautiful kind of flow and then things just changed as they have for so many listeners very quickly but uh yeah look i think compared to what some countries in the world are going through and what many people in the united states are experiencing we're uh we're doing okay here well jonathan we're glad to hear that you had broken your arm i believe so are you all recovered from that too so back in october i almost died i i managed to uh i just come back from the states i'd been speaking uh in uh i'd finished up speaking in in boise and had come back through hawaii with the family we were back home and i was doing some work on the house here and we have these kind of small earth moving machines here that you can hire i don't know what they what they'd call them in the states we call them dingoes here the little sort of mobile earth moving things and where we live we have a very very steep driveway like quite precipitous and as I was driving this thing down, second time down, uh, I realized that I should have paid a lot more attention in high school physics because uh, this thing rolled and flipped. And so I got flipped off from about two meters up and uh, I, I hit the concrete badly, um, just completely shattered both arms, uh, did a sort of pretty significant uh, injury to my head and knee and then wound up in hospital for quite a long time getting rebuilt uh some listeners remember the six million dollar man I'm, i remember the surgeon saying to me he said hey you know you got to remember that after this once we put all this metal inside you you're not going to be wolverine 
So it was a really extraordinary journey, uh, you know, just coming through a lot of that. And I, I honestly, it's a cliche, but I now look back at it with gratitude. Uh, paradoxically, I don't, you know, people sometimes say, I'm really glad this happened. I'm not glad it happened, but I learned an enormous amount through it, uh, both in terms of uh, the support from people, uh, Karen's amazing care for me. And and then after that, we had this phenomenal bushfire season, which is the worst we've had. So we almost lost the house. And then we had these out of nowhere, about a week after that, these hailstorms that did unspeakable damage uh, here where we live. And then just after that was, uh, was coronavirus. So, you know, and we can riff on this because the experience of the accident and a bunch of other stuff kind of was leading into the thesis of what I was going to be sharing at NCEA anyway. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I mean, not great. Um, obviously, it sounds like it's been such an ordeal. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know all those other things that had happened. It's it's uh, rather yeah. amazing. But but uh, the great comment was really more about so interested to hear what you were going to share. Obviously, we're um, we're so disappointed not to have you with us in Baltimore. We're really excited about NCA Virtual. As we record this, we have over three thousand people registered from every single state in the uh, in the U.S., uh, including in Guam. I know we've got some international as well. So we're super excited about the interest that's been shown there. But I, my question was going to be, what were you going to say to us yeah. in, in Baltimore prior to coronavirus? Um, obviously, you had a lot of other things going on in your life, but what were you going to say to Catholic educators in Baltimore? So so here's where, where I was heading. So I was actually driving over the Hoover Dam at the exact moment that Amy from NCA reached out and said, would you be interested in doing another keynote? And I remember that moment so clearly because the, the convention back in 2017 was just such a wonderful experience. So I remember that moment being invited and the way I work, I guess, kind of as a speaker is from that moment, I guess I asked the Holy Spirit to, to really help me be prompted and to be only talking about what the Holy Spirit wants me to say. And it's definitely not a cliche. I, after sort of 20 years as a speaker, I learned that really any impact or influence you have, if you, if you really want it to be lasting for people happens when you try and get out of the way. So the process started there and just asking the Holy Spirit to, to prompt me and guide me. And it was a few key things. The first thing was the accident itself. And what the accident taught me was all about uh, absence of control. So I learned that I was really not in control of much because I went from being completely healthy and normal at one moment with the rest of my day going ahead and the rest of my life going ahead. And then within 20 seconds, I was almost killed. The reason that's so resonant for me is because this, what God seems to do with me is he looks around and finds the person kind of least qualified to speak about a topic and then gives me the job in the sense that control's been a huge part of my life. Like I think because of, without going into detail, my, my childhood and a bunch of other stuff, I, I'd been really big on controlling life, reality, work, success. Not in a, I think in a bad way, I was never into controlling people, but I just wanted to control as much of reality as possible. And then the accident was the first big thing that did it. And so that got me thinking about this, what I guess I call the illusion of control, that we live a lot of our lives under the assumption that most of what we do depends on us. 
and people have heard me speak before know that I, I'm trying to drive into this thesis of what happens when we let go of some of that and begin to let the Holy Spirit sort of move us and, and direct us a little bit. So I'll just, you know, I'll try and be succinct, but the rest of the journey towards that keynote was just other key experiences. Karen and I flew for a wedding on the west coast of Australia and uh, we were coming back and we ended up watching that incredible HBO series on Chernobyl, on the Chernobyl accident. At the very end of it, you realize that the real catalyst of what happened there, and it's such a memorable thing for many of us who remember when that happened, is that they they pressed this big button and the button they thought was they were pressing was meant to sort of shut the reactor down. But because the Russians at that time were using very inferior equipment, when they pressed that button, rather than sort of a, uh, a kill switch, they pressed a detonator. And I felt the Holy Spirit kind of driving me back into this control thing again, saying a lot of us under pressure and under uncertainty look for some form of control. It's a very human thing to do, and there's practical reasons we should, but I kept thinking as Catholic education gets more complex, as resources get tighter, as education itself gets more complex, the natural human inc inclination is to drive down into deeper control. We, we have to get better at stuff. We've got to get more efficient. We've got to work harder. And there's also something particularly in the American psyche, which I think is, is admirable in many ways, this drive for mastery, for control, for excellence, for success. So we've got to balance all that stuff. And then finally, you know, COVID-19 comes along and this illusion of control for all of us is kind of confronted even more deeply. Where I'm sitting at in life and in reflection on all of this stuff is what happens when we begin to truly surrender a bit of our life and our mission and our ministry and our vocation and say, hey, Holy Spirit, if you are who you say you are and you want us to do what you say you want us to do, then we need to start to let go of some control and trust you more deeply and trust that you're going to be present. And look, finally, we're recording this in e around Easter. I mean, look at Calvary, right? there's the son of god with the capacity for infinite control surrendering control and as that control is surrendered something utterly unspeakably cosmically significant happens so that's where my brain was musing about basically what can god do when people begin to let go of their own processes of managing reality and open a crack for god to do something bigger that's uh it's remarkable um how you share that because and we how powerful the holy spirit is and how how it works in our lives because that all that you were talking about and you alluded to it at the end but it's so relevant for how we found our how we find ourselves now with covid-19 and and having to respond and feeling out of control we have our normal classroom you know procedures and we understand how things work and we understand how the school day happens and kids get dropped off and work through the day and all of a sudden you know, within a week that changes and, um, and all of a sudden things have to get turned upside down so that I think that trust and, you know, that faith, um, that we have, obviously our, 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 our faith in our, our God and our faith in our, our Catholicism, but it's also just that faith that 
in ourselves that that God has us where he knows we can be impactful where he knows we can have influence oftentimes as human beings I find we doubt ourselves but he never doubts us and if we can kind of let go with that and know that um, the work we're doing is is part of his plan uh, I think we can relax from some of the pressure we put on ourselves to be perfect or to be in control um, at all times question I think that I, I was interested to get your take on we've obviously moved to this remote learning all uh, all Catholic schools in the United States now are, are, are doing this and and they've responded really remarkably well we're actually doing some research to get some more data on this uh, formal data but I've I've spoken with close to a, a hundred uh, superintendents across the country over the last few weeks, probably about 60 principals. I've just been struck by how resilient and flexible and innovative uh, principals are, teachers are, with regard to kind of diving into this challenge. Uh, and it's been contrasted a little bit, to be honest with you, with other systems where we haven't seen that same response. So you've obviously done so much work around the world with, with Catholic school teachers and Catholic school principals and educators. I'm just curious, obviously our faith is the rock that kind of you know we rely on and we also holds us together, but what are the characteristics of Catholic school teachers that you've seen in your work that points to why they are so resilient and willing to see a challenge and just say, I'll work through the weekend to make sure that I have a remote learning plan for my classroom for next week? I'd, I'd like to say initially that I guess that beautiful scripture, you know, uh, greater is he who is in us and he who is in the world. I, I'd like to say that the that the real answer to the question is that by virtue of baptism and, and vocation, that there is a deposit of faith, there is the presence of the Holy Spirit, greater and stronger in all of us at different times, that animates what Catholic teachers do. Uh, I like to say I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I've done plenty of postgrad, but there's academic theologians who are whose you know sandals I am not fit to untie, but. I've only really got one thesis and as long as people keep inviting me to talk about it around the world, I'm going to keep doing it, which is what has to make us different to other educational options is the presence of the Holy Spirit animating our vocation. And at the basis of that is a really problematic word. Uh, and that word is love. And I said this to someone the other day on a podcast that I did a, a lot of postgrad stuff on philosophical anthropology, and we we actually did a two week symposium on this uh, on the question of love. And there was a moment when this this world famous professor wrote on this whiteboard a definition of love, and he said that to love is to will the good of the other, to effectively to want good things to happen to the person that we are in relationship with. Now. In our culture, that's been obviously highly sentimentalized and in other sections of culture, highly eroticized. But its deepest meaning to say that we love is to mean that we care deeply and we want good things to happen to the people that we are in relationship with. So what happens for, for great Catholic teachers is that they desire and will that good things happen to their students. All that's happening now is the modality in which that is actualized which simply means the way in which we deliver it is suddenly experienced a massive change. So St. Paul didn't have Zoom. St. Paul had leaky boats and feet, and he just took that message 
uh, and he loved the communities that he built. So what happens now is Catholic teachers have a different delivery system. We didn't get any warning. But as you know, there are many incredible Catholic teachers, principals listening to this right now who are getting up each day and creating videos. And, and I've said this recently, just simple stuff like praying with your students. My son gets on a call every morning at 10 a.m. and they begin with this simple prayer. So the, 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 the capacity to evangelize, to be the presence of Christ, to be the hands and feet of his mission, it's just the delivery system changed overnight. You know, the, the, the central task is still what it was. I love that formulation about willing the good for the other, and that's what teachers have in their foremost uh, thoughts when they're, when they're prepping their classrooms for their students. I think that's a great way to, to articulate that, and it's beautiful. You mentioned your son doing a video prayer to kind of start the day. I'm curious, you actually, a lot of your work I know has been, you know, on video. Uh, we first engaged each other a number of years back when I was in, in Los Angeles, and um, you did a number of sessions where you would actually, it was almost a, it was a faith formation program that you could, uh, and you would essentially deliver all of that via uh, video. We have to make sure that parents are, and students are feeling that value of the Catholic school. Um, I'm not sure, Australia, we're, we're probably most likely for sure some states are not going to be back this academic year so we'll be out through june there's also some speculation that some parts of the country could even be in this type of delivery of education at the start of next school year um, obviously it's a lot of uncertainty at this point but but when we think of that value uh, and specifically from a faith perspective from a sense of community, from building community, from being in relationship with one another. What are some experiences Catholic school teachers should be thinking about in order to ensure that they're incorporating from a either prayer perspective or a faith perspective um, in order to ensure that value is being um, given and demonstrated to both students and parents? Yeah, good question. I think you make a great point about the community aspect. We are the most phenomenally social species in many ways in terms of things like evolutionary psychology it's it's just been such a huge part of our success as a species is that we tend to thrive in good communities uh, the first thing i'd say to catholic teachers listening to this is let go of perfection let go of the idea of well i've never done a, a video for students and what if they don't like it and what if it isn't perfect and and so that's the first thing that's got to go. And the way you do that, and this this is a little principle that I hope will be useful much more broadly to everybody. I'm teaching everybody that will listen to focus on 24-hour blocks. It's called shrinking your world. So a lot of times if we're like, well, how do we do faith formation now? And we start to think very expansively about, well, how are we going to do it? And what's going to happen in six months' time? God is the God of you know, the past, the present, the future, he'll give us grace in six months, but he's giving us grace for today, which means when you get up as a Catholic teacher, the first thing you have to be doing is giving the Holy Spirit some window, some opportunity. Maybe for some of us, this is a new chance to just begin a, a deeper uh, interior life, a life of prayer, because as I've said on stage a hundred times, you can't give what you don't possess. So you, you can't give faith formation to students abstractly or mechanically I mean it's not like teaching algebra you, you really it's it's effectiveness has so much to do with our own personal lived experience you know it's the old Catherine of Siena quote you know if, that um, if you are who you're meant to be you set the world on fire so we give the Holy Spirit that window 
and then we just begin so that might mean that you're you know emailing your students once a day with some sort of encouraging faith-based message it might be that you're uh, you know you're, you're just making a video at your desk any phone is going to make a better quality video than anything any Hollywood director was doing until about 10 years ago so we have the technology and then trust just go with your heart just as a teacher just go I mean I don't know if you know this guy called Adam Codis, uh, who I just put on our blog the other day. He's just a teacher who grabbed his phone and he's just filming videos of, of you know, Holy Week stuff with a whiteboard in his house. And is it going to win an Academy Award? No, but it's from his heart. So I just say to everybody, focus on the on the day at hand. Focus on the tools at hand, and ask the Holy Spirit to just prompt you and move you. And direct you to be the person of Christ to your students in whatever simple ways you can. That's beautiful. I mean, I think this is the area too, where, uh, or a time when social media can be so helpful to Catholic educators because there are just numerous examples uh, of, of Catholic teachers doing some remarkable things. And again, as, as you state, uh, very simple things that can be replicated um, to connect with. Um, with their students. Kind of the last question I was going to ask you was about, uh, you just had a book come out, Finishing Strong, which uh, which is great. And I know it's geared toward high school students, I believe. Why don't you get to talk a little bit about that, what inspired you to write it, uh, and tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Look, Finishing Strong was my previous incarnation, like for many years. I, like I started teaching in high school, and uh, when I first began, I just loved working with young people. And uh, so the book was kind of a distillation of about 20 years of live seminars. So I started with speaking to literally over the over that time, several hundred thousand high school students and uh, and younger people. So the book was kind of a distillation of those core principles that I was teaching for many, many years. So, uh, you know, my my own background was was less than ideal uh you know just yesterday literally yesterday i took my son on a drive he's 11 now and we're very close and i took him on a drive just to get out of the house and i ended up showing him all the houses that i'd lived in as a kid in this city because when we moved here uh it, it was quite dramatic to to have to move here and, and my father god bless him really struggled with employment and we moved a lot and i drove around and I ended up stopping at this uh, youth refuge where, for me, things had got really bad at home. And, uh, you know, my father made a decision to put me in a, in a youth refuge with the Salvation Army. And I pulled up there and I stopped there. And, and I tell this story at the start of the book because to come from that experience, particularly the first, I remember the first night that I was there and, and some of the things that happened and the the journey that I guess I've been on in life and what God's done and just how he's looked after me, really, which I only get to think about in these podcasts when I sort of put it all together. So the book came out of that. It came out of like, I didn't have any mentors. I really didn't. And uh, and, and honestly, nobody came to the rescue. So there's something in me that thinks the good Catholic teachers can do some extraordinary stuff. I think if I'd had one great teacher at that point, it could have been a huge help for me. So, you know, I've opened a new website recently called onecatholicteacher.com, which is just because I believe that one Catholic teacher can make a huge difference. So the book offers young people this series of strategies. It's, it's just um, getting clarity around what's significant in life, dealing with setbacks and failures, dealing with fear, 
developing work ethic and a lot of stories in it just cool stories about people that have i guess you know come from some pretty crazy situations and uh and gone on to do some cool stuff so you know me being at nca in 2017 and for anybody listening that was there when you know my backstory to walk up on that stage that day and just to see what god's done is extraordinary so i keep trying to tell catholic teachers like that every single day that that you're on that journey with the holy spirit he can just use you and you may not be on the nca stage but you could be on that video that plants a thought or uh, a reflection or you pray with some students uh that, that that just you can't know you just can't know so yeah my heart is just for this very special work that catholic teachers can do in partnership with the holy spirit and uh and you know the book is just another tool to put in the hands of educators and young people that i hope will be a blessing to them it's beautiful i um i've told teachers many times when I've spoken with them that you never know the moment that's going to impact a child's life Uh, because if you reflect back on your education often you'll think about those moments and 99% of the time it's not what they taught you academically it's how they touched you or how they connected with you in some personal way so that's a beautiful beautiful message well, Jonathan, you are an inspiration to so many, um, and and I'm happy to, to tell you that. I hope you know that already, but um, clearly you've inspired, motivated. You're a real, uh, a real source of strength, I think, for Catholic educators. I know in the U.S. Uh, who, who just love following you and love... Um, kind of learning from you and uh, and feeling supported by you, which uh, which is, uh, you are a cheerleader for them, and I think they know you're in their corner, and, and it's something I know they all very much appreciate, so I want to I wanna thank you for that. I want to thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for adjusting a little bit and giving us some content for next week that we're going to share an NCA virtual. Our paths will cross again in person, I know, at NCA uh, in the not-too-distant future. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I... I got to be honest with you, Kevin. I'm I'm missing American craft beer. I'm missing hot dogs. Um, <laughs> I, I I had so many great trips there last year, and I tell people that last year there was a day when I I woke up in Baton Rouge and spoke in the morning in Baton Rouge. I spent the afternoon in Texas, and the evening in uh, San Francisco. So I've seen just about every corner of that great big beautiful country, and. Uh, Oh, look, I'm just praying for the United States and for all these great teachers and God ain't done with you guys yet. And I'm just praying that this season will pass and it will. Like, you know, these things are just, they always end. And uh, I just want to really pray that every Catholic teacher uh, practices some self-care. You know, look after yourselves physically. Find some time each day for things that bring you joy because you are the resource. And if you get broken and exhausted and wiped out, then uh, that's a terrible thing. So go gently with yourselves, look after yourselves, look at the positives in terms of extra time with family. And Kevin and I both have young children, so there can be challenges in being at home all the time, but you know, God works with everything. So thanks for having me and God bless everybody. Thank you, Jonathan. God bless. And and I'm hoping things um, are great for you and your family in the coming months. God bless. Thanks, Kevin. God bless. 